Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 through 22. Uh, how can I summarize Jacob's life for you at this point? Uh, he becomes one of the richest men in the history of the world, but at this point, he's got nothing. He's a fugitive on the run. You know how people say they're living in their car? Well, they didn't have cars, so Jacob was homeless. He was living on his camel. It was just him, his camel. He had a bag. He had to run quickly because somebody was out to kill him. He's got nothing. He has a dream. God says, I'm going to do amazing things with your life. And after he wakes up from the dream, Jacob makes a vow to God, and this is the vow that Jacob gives. Jacob vowed a vow. If God stands by me and protects me on this journey on which I am setting out, keeps me in food and clothing, and brings me back in one piece to my father's house, this God will be my God. This stone that I have set up as a memorial pillar will mark this as a place where God lives. And everything you give, somebody say, you give. Put it in the chat, you give me, I'll return. Somebody say, I'll return. Put it in the chat, I'll return. You give, say, you give, I'll return. You give. I'll return a tenth to you. This is one of the first biblical examples that we have of the tithe. The tithe just literally means one-tenth. And in biblical times, and even today, people who believe in God, who believe that God gave them everything, who give and return, say, God, I will give you one-tenth of, of what I make. And back then, it was uh, agriculture. And if it was too much to carry, which it was for a lot of people, they would sell their agriculture. They'd take the money. They'd give one-tenth of the money. They'd bring it all the way to Jerusalem. And they did it then for three reasons. And the really interesting thing is we do it today for the same three reasons. One of the reasons why they did it was for charity. And we're doing that today. Everything that you bring, everything that you bring in, we always set aside a portion of it to bring back into charity to help those who were less fortunate uh, than us. They did it to meet the needs of the ministry. It was real expensive to keep the sanctuary and the temple going. It's real expensive to keep church up and running. They don't let us stay here for free. And so you guys help support this ministry. And when you give online, you help support the ministry so that we can keep meeting your physical and spiritual, mental, emotional health needs. And lastly, they gave, and this is really what I want to focus in on, not just to meet the needs of others or to meet the needs of a church. They gave as a testimony that God has met their needs. Is there anybody here at church today who can testify that God has met your need? Needs. Many people have needs today. They come in different shapes and sizes depending on different seasons. Sometimes your need is small like a deadline. Other times your need is large like a family member who is facing death. It's always been that way, by the way, because there's other people in this room who you, you feel like you're doing good, like you're not in need right now. Like you got your bills paid, your family's healthy, everybody's good, and that's great. And I think America's always been like that. COVID has really just accentuated that division between those who are in need and those who aren't really in need. Like it really depends what economy you're in. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're in the hotel business or the theme park business, like things are not good for you right now. But if you're in the real estate business, you're crushing it right now. And you don't got to feel bad about that. If you're in the airline industry, uh, you're not doing too good right now because people aren't flying that much. Um, but if you're in the therapy business, you are crushing it right now because people need somebody to talk to. What I love about Jacob's story is that he represents both people. He represents those who are in need and he represents those who are in 
who are not in need, because at the same time that he acknowledges his void, he prophesies his victory. He says, everything you give me, I will return. It's a declaration of faith because he's got nothing when he says it. He's got nothing. And he says, and everything you give me from this point of nothing to the point of blessing that you give me, I'm going to give you one-tenth back to you because I don't want to forget you. Because I have found in my life that the two times we forget God the most is when we're either really, really in need or things are going really, really good. Isn't that true? When things are going so bad that the imminence of our suffering causes us to forget the preeminence of our Savior. Like things are so bad, we forget that there's a God. Or things are so good that we're like, I'm good. I'm so good right now. Things are going good right now. Amen. We'll say amen. We'll say praise the Lord, but we ain't praising the Lord. (laughs) And in times of need and in times of prosperity, Jacob says, I'm going to keep giving because I can't forget that whether it's good times or bad times, here it is, it all comes from you. Yeah. Reminds me of something that happened with my kids just recently. I was walking out of my, my room and the boys' bathroom was right next to my room and I saw this wet towel on the floor, all nasty and moldy and moist, d- dissolving a hole through the tile floor. And I was just like, whose towel is this? And they both ran upstairs. Your pastor shouts at his children, pray for me. And so, whose towel is this? And not really, but sometimes. And... <laughs> They came up and, and Justice was like, that's not mine. And I was like, well, Zane, it must be yours. He said, no, that's not mine. I said, okay. So Jesus took a shower in our house, then left the towel on the floor like he left his clothes on Resurrection Sunday. Is that what happened? Is that what happened? I'm like, no, it's just not mine. It's not mine. I said, you know what? You're right. I looked at Justice and said, it's not yours. He said, yes. I said, and Zane, it's not yours either. He's like, yes. And they looked at each other like, well, then whose is it? I was like, it's mine. They were all confused, like you're confused right now. I said, yeah, I bought that towel. That's my towel. That's my bathroom. That's my roof. That's my house. That's my water. And you better treat my things with some respect. With some respect, because you treat things differently when you realize they're not yours. When you realize that even though they're in your hands and you're using it, that it came from someone else. And so the next day, they messed up again. They took it to the other extreme. The next day, one of them took a shower with no towel. <laughs> and they come out the shower all dripping wet. There's like a flood coming down the stairs. I'm like, what happened? He said, I couldn't find my towel, so I didn't want to get in trouble. So I don't have no towel. (laughs) And I was like, you missed the point of the story. The point of the story is you don't have towels, period. That they're all my towels. So if you needed more towels, all you had to do was go to the place where you got the first one because there was more where that came from. You live in a house, papi, with more than one towel. (laughs) And I want you to know you serve a God who has more than one blessing and more than one provision and more than one miracle and more than one answer. It helps me in my Christian walk to understand the difference between, and I'm talking to God, but it's also the title of my sermon, what's yours and what's mine? Yours and mine. Because when I understand what's his and what's mine, it calms my fear when I feel like I'm running out because I understand that he's got more. But it also protects me from complacency when I'm living in prosperity because I got to treat what I've been given carefully because it's not mine. Yours and mine. So do not forget, remember, here's my first point. You need to remember that it's yours, but it's not yours. Yeah. 
Did you know that? I know that sounds silly, but it's yours, but it's also not yours. Like, like it's your breath, but it's not your breath. Yeah. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and what? Breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. When my kids go to my mom's house for Christmas, it's a whole situation because they don't buy them big gifts. They buy them $100 worth of gifts. Each gift is $5, and they get 20 gifts on Christmas. Each one of them. It's like 40 gifts for my kids. And when they get there, they start opening up the presents, and, and, and they start, and I don't want them to be spoiled. So I go, hey, every gift you open, make sure you go to the person who bought you that gift, and you said kiss, hug, and thank you. We'll probably do it different with COVID this year, but at least thank you. Go make sure you say thank you. And they'll, sometimes they'll say thank you to the same person 20 times. Okay, go ahead and do it. And I want you to say thank you. And I want you to say thank you for the video game. And I want you to say thank you for the underwear. You might appreciate one more than the other, but the level of your appreciation does not determine the reality of the fact that that was a gift. That person did not have to give it to you. So make sure you say thank you. But it's hard to appreciate something when you have so many of them. Because the law of supply and demand simply says that the more there is of something, the less valuable each one is. So do me this favor at church today. On the count of three, I want everyone to take a deep breath. We're going to bring some yoga into the house of God today. On three. One, two, three. Let it out. One more time. One, two, three. Do you know that you will inhale and exhale 22,000 times today? And so it makes sense when you have so many that you would not appreciate the one. But let me hold just one breath for a couple of minutes and see what that does. Do you know what the secret to living a life of gratitude is? Like to be in like a, just a, like a happy, content person every day of your life? See every breath as a gift. Like, I don't want weird people walking around and be like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you know you wouldn't be wrong, right? Because every single one is a gift. And don't wait until you lose somebody close to you to appreciate that. Don't wait until someone you love gets diagnosed with cancer to appreciate that. Don't wait until you survive the car accident or survive the gunshot to appreciate the fact that life, and not even in its totality of 40, 50, or 60, or 70, or 80 years, but life broken down into each individual inhale and exhale is an absolute gift. Because most people will only realize that when they lose somebody. I know that's how it happened for me when my son passed away. I want to say at the age of seven, at the age of seven hours, when I lost my son, I I saw life come and go like that. And I thought, people say life is short, but this is ridiculous. This is seven hours short. And as much as I was crying and weeping in that moment, and I was, I have never cried like I have cried that day. I looked over to the right and I saw my brother-in-law, Mark, and my sister-in-law, Lisa, who have been married for over 20 years and have not been able to have children. And they didn't say it because they didn't want to make it about them. 
But as they were crying and we were crying, and I saw the way Lisa was looking at my baby who was on a ventilator, and I could tell in her eyes she would have given anything to have a baby just for seven hours. Here's what you can never forget. As crappy as you think your life is, somebody in the world is praying for your life. Somebody in the world would give up everything to have the life that you have. Well, my marriage is in trouble. There's a person who is single that is like, give it to me. I will take any. I just want, I'm tired of sleeping alone. Just give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take it. God forbid, if my wife, when you see life like this, if my wife were to pass away tomorrow, God forbid, this is not, I didn't have a dream. I didn't have, it's not prophecy, baby, you're all right. I'm just saying, if she was to pass away tomorrow, I would have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions. Let me list those emotions off to you. I would be depressed. I would be angry. I would be mad. I would be hurt. I would be lonely. I would be freaking out and be scared because I don't know who's going to take care of the kids because I just live there. But she takes care of everybody. So I don't know how it's going to, everything's going to get done. All of these emotions. But here's one emotion I promise you. I would not feel because I lived it when I lost my son. I would not feel bitter because I got her for 12 years. 12 years. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me right now? I remember on the first day after one day going home thinking, I don't deserve that. Just on the first day when she was came all pretty, I came, my clothes were mismatched, and they were the wrong size, and I didn't know how to put words together into sentences to have conversations. It wasn't a problem because she did all the talking then and still does now, and, and it was just worked out fine. And I remember going home thinking, how lucky am I to have one day, one day? Gosh, I've had 12 years. Yeah, I wish I had more, but what a blessing. I've been given already. It's your breath, but it's not your breath. And while we're on it, if you can't even think about living because you're fighting some hard fights right now, let me put that into perspective. It's your battle, but it's not your battle. It's your battle, but it's not your battle. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. How many people would like to own a home one day? Like to own a home one day? Amen. Before you get into a home, let me tell you the joys of renting. Because there are things you get when you own or that you don't get when you own that you have when you rent. When Liz and I first rented our first apartment, we didn't have the money. We were in ministry. We couldn't get the nice apartment. We could only get the one apartment that we could afford. It was, the, it was, just, it was, the, it was bad. But we were grateful. Amen. <laughs> it was so bad. We didn't have windows. We had saran wrap. Okay, for windows, we would set our thermostat, whatever the temperature was outside, that's what it was inside. The air just passed right through there. Not only that, we had a severe roach problem in our apartment. It was college dorms that we were living in. That's how bad it was. And it was a bad roach problem. And we tried everything to get rid of those roaches. We didn't grow up in dirty houses, so we didn't even know what this animal was. You know, it was like, there was a lot of them. And so we would get the smoke bombs, and we would get the sprays, and we would try, and nothing would get rid of them. And we were so discouraged. And so one day we called our parents, and we were like, yeah, we're trying to get rid of these roaches, and we're spending so much money. And our parents were like, well, why are you spending the money? I said, because we live here. This is our apartment. He said, no, 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 no. You have a landlord. That's not your problem. He said, that's your landlord's problem. I said, my land who? He said, yeah, the property manager, that's your landlord's problem. You might be living in that home, but because you don't own it, it's not your problem. We went down there. We said, we have roaches. 
and a couple weeks they were gone. And anytime we saw anything, a leg of an animal, uh, an ant, we went right down there. Liz was right down there with the quickness. That was like, we got ants, we got roaches, we got silverfish. This don't work, that don't work. We went to the landlord because he owned it. It was his problem. Do you know that you are not your own? The Bible says that Jesus Christ bought you for him when he died on the cross of Calvary. So when something breaks on his property, good God. It's yours because you're living in it, but it's not yours because it's his. Hey, that's why we call him Lord, because he's the landlord of our lives. He's the landlord of our marriages. He's the landlord of our finances. He's the landlord of our health. When something breaks, don't try and fight it on your own. Go to the Lord and say, hey, I'm in a battle, but it's not my battle. It's your battle. So can you fight this battle? Because I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I'm talking to somebody whose child is far away from God, and you are praying that God would bring them back, and you've done everything in your power. Let me encourage you. That might be your child, but also... It's not your child. It's God's child. And there's nobody on this entire planet who loves that child more than God. So you put that child, like I put that roach, this is a bad analogy, on my landlord's property. You put that child, you put that wife, you put that husband, you put that issue. And you say, God, I can't deal with it. Will you please fight this battle for me? Because this is yours, not mine. This is yours. Not mine. It's your battle, not my battle. It's yours, but it's not yours. Now, that doesn't alleviate you from living a responsible life. I didn't need to say that right now because some of y'all are going to know what you do. You take one thing I preach and you twist it so I can see it right now. Somebody's going to go home. They're going to grab their mortgage payment. They're going to light it on fire and be like, the battle is the Lord's. Amen. May the ash of my bill be a fragrant offering unto you, oh, Father God. This is your battle, not my battle. No. <laughs> no, 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 because it's God's to give, but, but it's yours to manage. It's, it's God's to give, but it's yours to manage. It's God's breath to give, but it's yours to manage. That's why he invented Tic Tacs. Manage your breath. <laughs> Toothbrushes. And scope. And <laughs> manage. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. This generous God who supplies, who supplies, who supplies, you or God? Abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Who supplies? You or God? It's not a trick question, I promise. Who supplies? You or God? Then he multiplies the seed. Who multiplies it? You or God? As you sow it, who sows it? You or God? So if you break it down, it's God's to make and it's God's to multiply, but it's yours to manage. It's God's body to give, but it's your body to manage. Yeah, you can't complain about high blood pressure. This is the body God gave me. I know genetics had something to play with it, you know, but fried food seven days a week does not help. Let's not put that on God. The least we can do is put that one on the devil, you know what I'm saying, for inventing fried food if he did it. I don't know if he has the power to invent or not, but. <laughs> hey, don't complain about your marriage, about the husband that you don't have, that you wish God would have given you, he gave it to you. 
I know because you have it. And everything that's good comes from the Lord. The problem isn't what God didn't give. The problem is what you didn't manage. What you didn't manage well. It's not a giving problem. It's a managing problem. And if we manage better, we'll see the multiplication. And let me add to that, by the way. Well, my dad, my dad bought me a car. It was awesome. I, was, I love him and I love my mom for doing that. It was a 2004 Mitsubishi Lancer. It was great. And within three months, I, I crashed that car into a tree, another parked car, and the gas station. Charlie was with me for two of those. And I don't have a problem with moving objects. It's the stationary ones that get me. They're like, they're like ninjas. They just sit back, waiting to, bam, and get you. I brought my car back to my dad. We're going to be a while, but just a little bit longer. But, but you can hang here. I brought that car back to my dad. I was like, I was like dad, I, got, I need repairs. And he was like, okay. I bought the car. It was mine to give, but it's yours to manage. When we break God's blessings, like that's on us. Like we got to work on that. He'll multiply and he'll make, and nothing is ever final with God. He has a way of redeeming and restoring, but we've got to put the work. And let me take it one step further. Not only is it that it's God's to give, but it's yours to manage. Let me say this. God will only give what you can manage. Matthew 25, 14 through 15. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two talents. To another, just one talent. To each, according to his ability. I used to get so mad at this scripture because I always felt like the guy with two talents, looking at people who were doing more than me, and I would always say, well, they have five talents, and it's not fair because God didn't give me five, and that's not God's not fair. He should be a fair, just God. Then I read it again. Each, according to his ability. A talent is a measurement of weight. Back in the Bible, they didn't have universal measurements. And so like distance, for example, if something was far away, they'd be like, that is a day's journey. How is it a day's journey? Because by the time the sun rises and time the sun sets, you're there. Like it was very rudimentary like that. You know what a talent was? A talent was as much weight as one man can hold. That's what a talent was. If you can hold that much and they can put a little more and you won't fall down, that's one talent. So the guy who got one talent, he could hold one talent. The guy who had two talents, he was strong enough to hold two talents. The guy who had five, and so it wasn't God who was limiting what I was giving. It was God who was protecting me from carrying so much weight that would have destroyed me. If I want to carry more, I got to get stronger. I was at the gym yesterday. And I got this friend at the gym. He's awesome. Uh, he finally got the chance to meet my wife. We've been working out for a while. And I love him because he's like six foot something. And he's bald. And he's got flame tattoos all over his head. And that's all you need to know about him. He is that guy. Every other sentence, he curses. We all, every Christian needs someone in their life who curses every other sentence. You need people like that in your life. And so I love this dude, man. And so we're at the gym and we're working out. And, uh, and, and I love him too because he pushes me. You know? you know that friend who always like, you can do more. You can go harder. You know that guy? How many people know there's a thin line between supportive and annoying yeah. with that guy? So I'm doing, I'm doing hex bar deadlifts, right, which is like a deadlift from the side. And I'm lifting, bam, popping it out. But listen, he would tell me he used to pop it out. That's what he would say. It sounds weird, but that's what he would say. And I pop it out. And then after I was doing it, he was like, you can put more weight on that. You can put more weight on that. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to put some more weight on it. And I do it. And he goes, no, you know what you need to do? I'm like, what? He's like, my friends just asked me to be a part of the Highland Games. You don't know what that is. That's like Scottish strength 
this like strong man, feats of strength. He's like, I'm going to participate in that. Again, this is all you need to know about this guy. He's like, my, my, my thing that they have me go is the stone carry, which is exactly what it sounds like. You carry a big old stone up and down the field. He goes, that's my thing. He goes, and if you want to get good at that and you want to be strong, he goes, dude, you got to pick the deadlift up. And once you get it, he's like, walk up and down your gym. <laughs> like the movement is this. He was like, once you get to this, he's like, just start walking on the gym. Just walk around. He said, baby steps, just go up and down the gym. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it gets your nervous system firing. You get all strong. I'm like, no. Nah. nah, bro, I will not do that. He goes, why not? I go, because there is one rule I have in weightlifting. He said, what's that? I said, don't get hurt. Because as long as I don't get hurt, I could come back next week. But if I'm hurt, I'm out for two, three weeks. I could lose all my gains. And so I just do what I can do, and you do what you can do, and we'll just go ahead and we'll just lift it. A lot of us are like him when it comes to our life and our successes and achievements. We go to God. We go, God, give me more weight. God, give me more success. God, give me more platform. God, give me more followers. God, give me more business. God, give me more influence. God, give me more people. God, give me more friends. God, give me more offices. Give me more campuses. Give me more ministry. God, give me more this, more that. And God's like, if I were to put that on you right now, I know you better than you know yourself. If I was to put that on you right now, your knees would buckle under the weight of all that blessing. Some people think that God is not blessing you because he's mad at you. God is not blessing you because he's saving you. He's waiting for you to develop the maturity to be able to live under that blessing. If he'd have got you the house back then, you'd have used the house to throw parties. Now that you got the house, you're going to use it to hold small groups. He waited for you to get to the level of maturity where you could live in that blessing. You got to wait so you can lift the weight. That's why they call it weight, by the way. Because you can't take it all on at once. You built. Finally, it's God's to reward, but it's yours to return. It's God's to reward, but it's yours to return. Me and my wife, every time Justice or Zane get A's on their tests, uh, we reward them with food. I mean dessert. Food sounds crazy. <laughs> they only eat when they do well. Other than that, you, get, you bring home an F, you're starving. Um, now, we reward them with uh, dessert. Uh, we take them to uh, Jeremiah's ice cream. How many people know? Yeah. If you don't live in Florida, because we have a lot of people who watch online, that's reason enough for you to move to Florida is Jeremiah's ice cream. It's really good. So we take them, and, and uh, he ordered his favorite. Uh, Scoop Froggy Frog was his favorite. He orders some scoop froggy frog. He get in the car. Now I'm on a diet. I could have ordered my own. My favorite is the pina colada gelati. Could have ordered that, but I, I was like, I don't want a whole thing. Just want a little bit. So I was like, Hey, papi, you think dad can get a bite of your scoop froggy frog? I should have never said yours. I should have just been like, Do you think dad can have some of the scoop froggy frog that he bought with his money? When my scoop froggy frog, he looked at me, he made faces, he was like, eh. He's like, the thing is, Dad. <laughs> and to me, he's like, he said, I earned it. <laughs> but that's the problem. He don't know because he lives in my house. But there are millions of people who work hard every day and have nothing to show for it. 
Just the fact because you hustled doesn't mean that that blessing is any more yours. I said, you might have earned it, but I rewarded it. You give me a bite of that scoop, Foggy Fog, right now. <laughs> I took my scoop. <laughs> I said, that's mine. Don't, don't get it twisted with the things that God rewards you. All I'm saying is if he gave it to you, you can't be mad when he asked for a piece of it back. Not if, not if he's the one that gave it to you. You can't be mad then when he says, let me get a piece. Because I bought it. It's mine. You eating it. <laughs> it's mine. Malachi 3, 7 through 10, we'll end here. Return to me, and I will return to you, says Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? By the way, the whole context of this is relationship. God wants you to return to him. Will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you have robbed me. What do you mean we robbed you? When did we ever rob God? You robbed me of tithes and offerings do me. And so the awesome curse of God is cursing you, for your whole nation has been robbing me. Instead, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there would not be enough room to store it. I had to be careful in this illustration because, or this story, and I want to illustrate something. Jason, if you could come help me illustrate. Because if we're not careful, we can read this story and we can see God as like a mortgage company. And I don't want you to walk away with that image of God, like if God doesn't give me what I want, or if I don't give God what he wants, like what he gave back to me, he's going to take it all away like the mortgage company. And God is not like the mortgage company for so many reasons. And so I'm going to illustrate that. We're going to pretend, um, uh, Jason, that I am the mortgage company and you are buying a home. And you are buying a home that costs $10. (laughs) We're just going to make it simple, okay? So we don't have to, you don't have to do the math in your head. So I got $10 bills here. Here's what the mortgage company says. First off, the mortgage company says, first off, if you want my $10, you got to prove it. I got denied from my home loan like eight times before I I was able to get in because I didn't have enough history income, my 1099. I was in ministry, so I didn't have a W-2. I had a 1099. It was a whole thing. For like eight times, I, I got denied. Finally, when they thought I was worthy, they gave me the money. So then they gave it to me. There you go. Awesome. And then I found out how it wasn't a gift. It was a loan. In other words, I'm going to give you $10, but I want all of those $10 back. Not only do I want all those $10 back, but if it takes you too long to give me my $10 back, I want you to add interest on top of what you took from me. And if you don't give me my money back, and you don't give me my money back in time, not only am I going to take back all the money I gave you, I'm also going to take back everything you bought with that money. Now, that sounds mean, but that's not mean. That's fair because that's business. And this is a transaction, a financial transaction. That's not what God does. You want to talk about something that's not fair, let me tell you what God does. God says, Jason, I love you so much. Here's $10. And you don't have to prove to me that you deserve it. By the way, nobody here can stand before God and say that you deserve what he's given you. Because before you were even born, you were born with the gift of sight. Did you deserve sight before you did anything to deserve it? No, but you got it. Who deserved it? Millions of other children all over the world are not born in that condition. You were born in America. Did you deserve that? Well, that's not really a gift, Pastor JJ, being born in America. Ask somebody who was born in Lebanon. It's a big gift. You didn't deserve it, not once. He gave it to you. He blessed it to you. He said, boom, go ahead. That's yours. It's mine, but it's yours. And all I want back is not the 10. It's not interest. All I want back is $1. Thank you. That's not fair, but that's okay. 
Because this is not a transaction. This is different. This is a confession. When Jason gives the dollar, it's a confession of saying, hey, I'm doing it because I confess none of it is mine anyway. I'm doing it because I confess that I didn't deserve any of it. I'm doing it because I confess you are the Lord. This is all yours. Every blessing I have, every gift I have, every family member in my life, every breath that I take, every step that I take, every ministry that I have an opportunity to be a part of, every friend that I have in my life. This isn't a transaction. This is a confession that it all comes from you anyway. So of course, I confess I didn't do this on my own. If my business took off, yeah, I helped get it started, but you were the one with your favor and your, you did it, Lord, not me, you. It's not a transaction, it's a confession. And with God, here's the other part. If you don't do it, he doesn't take it all away. That's not what the verse said. He said that he'll curse it. He'll curse it. So this is the illustration. This is the only thing I could do to illustrate cursing money. And uh, I had to ask Liz if it was corny when I was doing it at home because it felt corny to me but she was like no it makes sense and so when God curses your money he doesn't take it he curses it this is what cursing it looks like <laughs> just, just show it just show it yeah just hold it out fan it out there you go hold it hold it like that you're right there <laughs> that's play money now because you're not giving you're holding on it looks like you're making more money he turned dollars into 10k <laughs> That looks like money. It feels like money. But if you were to take that money to the store, you wouldn't be able to buy anything with it. Why? Because even though it looks like money, it's money that's lost its value. The best way I can explain cursed money is money that cannot buy what you thought it would buy. And so you, you save up, you, you build up, you know, you, you, your business hit it, Fortune 500. Now you're living in a mansion, you're driving a, a Tesla, a Lamborghini, you're, you're taking private jets all over the place and your soul is still empty. Because your money's cursed. It's not, they didn't buy what you thought that it would buy. Thanks, Jason. So, and I want to use this right here because I did something with Justice and Zane the other day. I was like, hey guys, if I gave you a million dollars, what would you buy with it? I don't have a million dollars. So pretty much I was like, play money. <laughs> if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it? I love Zane's answer. Zane said, if you gave me a million dollars, he said, I would build the Iron Man suit. I was like, that's not wrong. That's a great answer. And I went to Justice. I was like, Justice, what would you do, man, if I gave you a million dollars? I swear to you, this was his answer. I didn't make it up. I didn't ask him. I didn't prep him in advance. He said, Dad, if you gave me a million dollars, he said, I would buy Journey Church a home. I was like, okay. Which means he must love Journey Kids. So thank you, Journey Kids for loving on him it means that my wife and I are managing our marriage in a way where he hasn't grown up to resent ministry but he loves it, it means that this place has made an impact on his life and he loves it now listen it was just play money but it moved my heart to hear that he cared about what I cared about it was more than him telling me that he loved the church it was him telling me that he loved me because he knows that I'm the pastor of it what I'm trying to tell you is that your money to God always looks like play money there's nothing you can really buy him that he doesn't already have he has no needs remember when we give it's not us doing something with our money that God can't do for himself I got no pressure on fearless and faithful because this is his church not mine 
So he's going to provide it. He's going to grow. He's going to make a way. This is about us showing God our heart behind the money. It's not the face on the dollar. It's the heart behind the dollar that means everything to God. And to show you I'm not talking about money, it can be anything in our hearts that is threatening to take the place of God. Anything that we hold on to that we would not want to give him, God says, return it to me. Because honestly, you shouldn't have even had it anyway. I'm saying there's somebody in this room, you're, you're in a relationship where it just ended. It's just ending. And you're, you're, you're messed up about it. You're sad about it. Hey, that person was a, was a gift. Anyway, just give them back. If God wants it back, return it. Let God be the first, have first place in your heart or your life. Somebody's got a son or a daughter. They just turned 19, 20. They're out of the house. Maybe they're living their life in a way that you want to approve of. Hey, just give them back to God. Return them. They were his anyway. Return it. It's not yours. Return it. It's his. And let God take that first place in your life. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you've got something you need to return to God, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. You've got something in this room you need to return to God. When I say three, I just want you to just begin to pray. And I want you to just lay it out to him. For some people, it's a dream. For other people, it's a goal. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a relationship. For some people, it's a child. Maybe it is your finances. But there's something that God is saying. It's not yours. It's mine. So give it back. Give it back. You've been holding on to bitterness, anger. God's saying, surrender it. Lay it down. That's not your father. That's my son. I'll take care of him. Lay it down. All over this room right now. One, two, three. Just begin to pray. Father, we give you. We give you back what you know we're holding on to in our heart. That one thing that threatens to take your place, we lay it down, Father, and we say, have your way. You are the God of revival. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Thank you for rewarding me and blessing me, but it was never mine anyway. So all that I have, I lay down at your feet. May you, I know that my, I know that it's all funny money to you. It's all fake money to you. You don't need my money, but see my heart. I return to you, God, and I give it all back to you keep your eyes closed keep your head bowed if you're in this room and you would say to me pastor jj i don't think i have a relationship with jesus i think god's not asking me to return money or or a person i think he's asking me to return i think i've been far from him for a long time there's a, a line in this song that says there's no soul that god can't save and i want you to know if you're in this room today god could save you if you return to him return to him god i, I want to come back to you i don't like living away from you I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. All over this room, if that's you, when I say three, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and just raise your right hand up to the sky. Nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. This is between you and the Lord. If you're online, you can do the same thing. You can put a little hand emoji in the chat. But when I say three, you want to come return your life to Jesus. Return your heart to Jesus, the one who is willing to receive you just as you are. He'll change you. He'll transform you. But he's got open arms. He's given you every breath. All he wants is your heart. All over this room, when I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. Jesus, I need you. One, forget who's looking around. Two, if that's you, shoot your right hand up high. One, two, three. Right now, shoot your hand up high to the sky. I need you, Jesus. Come on, I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five. Amen. You get put your hand down. If you lifted up your hand, we want to do a prayer with you. So we want you to repeat after me. We would love everybody in the house to repeat after me. Go ahead and say this prayer. Father God, I feel you calling me and I'm returning to you. I love you. Every breath is a gift. Every day has been a gift. And I want to do my best to live every next day 
for you. I receive you into my life. Transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five people made the biggest decision of their life. Would you put your hands together to welcome them to the family of God? Come on now, church. You can do better than that. Come on, let's stand on our feet. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.